Spain's such a shit of a year. Welcome to our last show for the year, The Wellness Couch, where science meets ancient wisdom, 87.6 FM, and we're your hosts, Katarina and Brett Morrison. Now, um, as we start to emerge from COVID pandemic for the last, what we've got, about uh, two years, we face an unprecedented mental illness epidemic. And as a result of the pandemic, we've got about four to five Australians now that are reporting poor mental health and 34% of Australians said that their mental health had declined during this time. Now we've got, we're excited and inspired by our next guest who can talk all about this. We've got Tanya de Jong, um, AM, who's an inspirational speaker, singer, businesswoman and social entrepreneur. In fact, we had her uh, music just playing there. We had uh, Rainbow and uh, Flying Free. So she's also uh, an opera singer, businesswoman and social entrepreneur who has founded a number of of successful businesses, Creative Universe, Leading Innovation Conference and uh, Creative Innovation, just to name a few, Inspiring Mind, Leadership Programs, um, also MTA Entertainment and Events. These are just a few of the companies that she's uh, had the time to invent. Uh, Dimension 5 Co, Working Space and acclaimed singing group Poppuri. Now, she's also started three uh, charities um, and the one we're focusing on tonight is Mind Medicine Australia, Creativity Australia, with One Voice Program and Song Room. It has the voice of an angel, as you just heard. So welcome, uh, Tanya Dejung. How are you? Good. It's so lovely to speak with you, and um, congratulations on all the work you're doing. Oh, congratulations on all your work that you're doing. My medicine's <laughs> um, fantastic, and it just enables the development of regulatory-approved and research-backed psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy. So we're really excited to talk to you about that tonight. Um, but firstly, we want to know about your um, your pathway navigation and how you got onto all of this. Um, I know it's a long journey. <laughs> in particular, I read an article about you and hubby meeting, so that was really interesting. It was very synchronistic. Yeah. It was. It was. Well, yeah. I mean, it sort of the story goes back a long way, really, if you think about it. But um, gosh, where will I begin? I could start, you know, fifty years ago or <laughs> even more. Look, I think this story goes back to, I'm going to give it to you in a nutshell, a beautiful story. So my grandmother invented the foldable umbrella in Vienna in 1929. Um, And that's an extraordinary invention, obviously. And so I come from an incredibly artistic and inventive family. And so I've always been an entrepreneur. And I've always loved to create things and make things and, you know, see them come to life. And... um, So my mum and dad met in Israel in 1961. They met on a Monday at the Maccabi (laughs) Games, which is the Jewish equivalent of the the Olympic Games, and um, and they were engaged by the Friday. Wow, that's quick. uh, Yes, amazing, yeah. And so anyway, um, and I was born, and I was born in the Netherlands, and um, I have had a career both as a singer, which I, and I still sing and speak all over the world, and as a social entrepreneur. And so I've always been very committed to innovation and being Jewish uh, with, you know, being the daughter and granddaughter of Holocaust survivors. Yeah. Uh, I'd actually never been to Israel until in 2012. I was invited to take part in um, a trade mission to Israel and sing at the embassy in Tel Aviv. And the mission was on uh, social enterprise and innovation. And there was a delegation of 32 people all together. And um, 
Peter, my husband, um, was also on this delegation. He was from Sydney. I'd heard of him before because he's a very well-known investment banker. And um, and I, you know, I was sort of of peripherally aware of him. Um, But you know, I I didn't know him at all. And so, anyway, as is my style, I approached all the different philanthropists, and he's a philanthropist, and there were many philanthropists on this trip and told them about the charities that I had at the time, which included Creativity Australia and the With One Voice program and the song were in my first charity, which I founded in 1999. And both of those charities have reached, you know, millions of people with um, a range of programs. The song room has brought music and creative learning to disadvantaged primary and secondary schools and school children all around Australia, reached over a million kids, changing their outcomes. And then I set up the With One Voice programs with Creativity Australia, which are social inclusion choirs that bring together fortunate and less fortunate people in choirs of social inclusion on a weekly basis. So it brings together people like you and I, doctors, lawyers, teachers, executives, retirees, with people with depression, disabilities, migrants, job seekers of all ages, faiths and backgrounds and we share the neuroscientific benefits of singing which are profound Fantastic, we share yeah. supper and a wish list. Anyway, so I'd done all this stuff and so I was sort of pitching to all these philanthropists on this trip and, and I got talking to Peter and we sat next to each other on the bus and, you know, it was very similar. You know, we met on a Sunday and, um, <laughs> you know, and then we... Really, you know, got together a few days later and um, it was just one of those really serendipitous sort of connections, meeting of the minds and spirits and just really um, a special connection that, that was formed in a very short space of time. And, yeah, and we've pretty much been together ever since then. Um, and very and, purposeful, you can see. I mean, you've created a Yeah, we're mind. very purpose-driven. Yeah, both of us. Um, I mean, you know, for the first few years, so I've always been very into spiritual seeking and body hacking in different ways. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right. tried lots of different things, you know, mantra, tantra, psychotherapy, cryotherapy, myotherapy, you know, yeah. you, you name it. All I the therapies. <laughs> yeah, but I had never tried any drugs. And um, so about, um, probably about nearly six years ago now, I read a blog by Tim Ferriss that talked about him donating $100,000 US to trials for psilocybin to treat depression at Imperial College. And I clicked on the link to read this article by Michael Pollan, who subsequently wrote How to Change Your Mind, an incredible book on his experiences with psychedelic medicines. Mm. And I read about this trial that was going on at New York University in this New Yorker magazine article that Michael had written. And one of the people who was profiled in this article was a Jewish man who had experienced intergenerational trauma through the Holocaust. And so, you know, I don't suffer from, you know, a typical diagnosis of PTSD or depression or anything like that still really rang a bell with me. And 80% of the people in that trial went into remission from their depression and anxiety. Many of them, most of them had sort of of end-of-life terminal conditions. So it was an amazing trial just after two doses of psilocybin. Two doses? The short course of psychotherapy. That was it. (laughs) And um, so I was so 
amazed by this article and it sounded so incredible. And, you know, I've never had any drugs in my life. So I'd never had any marijuana. I've never had anything of, you know, I've not even ever got drunk. I don't like alcohol. I don't even drink coffee. You know, singing has always been my drug. Yeah, cathartic, <laughs> you know, it yeah. gets yeah. me high. It connects me to others. It connects, you know, transcends normal everyday life when you sing with other people. It's very yeah. powerful. And I talk mm. about Connected the neuroscientific to the field, yeah. benefits. Yeah. yeah, well, the neuroscientific benefits of singing in my TED Talk how singing together changes the brain. That's and beautiful. there's profound research showing benefits of singing. But I had never thought that drugs could be good for you. And I was always pretty, you know, anti-drugs. So I read this article. I said to Peter, you've got to read this article. I really think we should do this. And he said, okay, well, you know, leave it up to you. And so I tried to get us into some of the healthy patients' trials, but there weren't any going on at the time we were going to Europe. And so... We finally managed to find a guide in the Netherlands. We flew over to the Netherlands and we uh, underwent this incredible experience with psilocybin that really was so profound um, that it literally did change our lives. And I know this sounds very corny, but um, the sense of connection to self, to others, to the planet sense of oneness, the sense of awe and wonder, like I've never looked at anything the same way again. Every leaf, every flower, every seashell, every raindrop. You know, you just look at the world in a whole different way and you realise that you're part of everything and everything is a part of you and that you're not alone. And it's just so it's just such a beautiful experience to have. Of course, you know, there are moments in these sorts of experiences that can be challenging where you're confronting, you know, it may be content either in this life or it might be coming from somewhere else. It's very hard to know sometimes where some of the material does come from. But the wonderful thing about these medicines and therapies is that they really connect you back into yourself. And one of the definitions of depression and most mental illnesses is disconnection, yes. disconnection with self, yes. work, community, whatever it happens to be, planet, a sense of separation and isolation. And, of course, more and more people are feeling like that. You know, they, they have their devices, but they're talking more to boxes and screens than they do to one another. And it becomes really, really important to reconnect um, with everything. Otherwise, you know, what what is life about if you're not... <laughs> Connecting to yourself and others in the planet, you know. It's not just about talking to your iPhone all day long and watching, you know, Netflix. Yeah, yeah. the devices so, are meant to... They do claim that these devices connect us to anyone in the world, but in doing that, like you said, yeah. we're, we're disconnecting from that human connection, aren't we? Like, we have Absolutely. an energy. When, when you meet someone face-to-face, people say, oh, I've got a real sense of who that person is. And, you know, you don't get that yeah. when you're talking to someone through an email or through text messages no, or... Snapchat Zoom. or whatever I mean, it's going to be. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, exactly. You know, like, yeah. Even with Zoom, it's, it's quite a two-dimensional you know, format yeah. a yeah. lot of the time. And, you know, so I think that people really crave connection. Um, you know, we are social animals. We're not just Definitely. social media. We're yeah. social animals and we yeah. need to touch and feel and, and you know, be together the oxytocin. In the same space. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. right. We need the cattle hormone. You know, one yeah. of the great things about the neuroscience of singing is that when you sing with other people, 
it releases oxytocin and other neurotransmitters through the beautiful. right temporal lobe yeah. of your brain. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's yeah. just amazing. It really amazing. does connect the different hemispheres, and same way that psychedelics do. So, is that brain heart coherence? Sorry, darling, is that brain heart coherence too that comes into synchronicity as as you actually sing together as a community? Do you find that yeah, as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I talk about that in my TED talk that. Not only do we start to breathe together when we sing together, but our hearts actually mm. start to beat together. Beat and that's as so one. beautiful. That that's is really gorgeous. interesting. <laughs> like, you know, our, you know yeah. the best man at our wedding, um, he was a, he's a really good singer. He's a tenor. He's with Australian Youth Choir when he was younger. But then he had a major yeah. stroke and ended up in a coma for about six months. But now he, he part of his therapy, he, he just loves to go back to this group and sing, even though he hasn't yeah. got his speech back. And he, and he quite often says that they sound really bad. Um, but he just loves that connection with the people and being able to use his voice, even if it may not be the way it used to be. But he says that, that you know, it's, it's just a beautiful way that he gets to, I guess, connect with part of who he is. Mm. Yeah, humans are not made to withstand separation. And then, like what we're seeing at the moment, you know, the apartheid, the isolation, the segregation of, of communities that we're seeing, it's really it's creating a mental terrible. emergency. It really is. But one of the things I'm really interested yeah. in, and it's not surprising we're going very deep, like... <laughs> with who we are as souls. We're going very mm. deep and straight into it. But um, you talk about um, getting past that, uh, um, like psilocybin and um, MDMA gets past the default mode of the brain. So it connects us directly to uh, different hemispheres that, that, you know, left and right are able to talk to, I guess, one another. And, and that gives us that neuroplasticity, um, giving mm -hmm. us great insight to how, how we actually are, how we're connected to the universe, you know, and beyond. Um so getting past that default mode and allowing the practitioner to help to navigate, what are you, what are you, mm -hmm. your thoughts on that? Actually, just before we go Sorry. there, could I just jump in quickly? Because I think it's important for, if we just explain to the audience that we're not talking about some experimental, like experimenting with drugs here. We're talking about the clinical use of these medicines, aren't we? So when you say you've had a guide, like you're talking about under medical direction and medical care, so people who are very well trained in how to use these drugs for mental illness, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's, um, there's a difference. At the moment, you know, we're totally focused on the clinical use of these uh, therapies in medically controlled environments. So psychedelic-assisted therapies, either MDMA or psilocybin-assisted therapies. The psilocybin is being primarily used to treat depression and also potentially obsessive-compulsive disorder, eating disorders, dementia, um, a whole range of other things as well. And MDMA is being primarily used to treat post-traumatic stress, sorry, post-traumatic stress disorder and also addictions, a whole range of other things potentially as well. And so all of these medicines, you know, well, psilocybin and many of the other psychedelics, not MDMA, but psilocybin and the other psychedelics have been around since the beginning of human civilizations. In fact, many people suggest that they, anthropologists suggest they predate humans and mm were part of, you know, what formed our human cortex of our brains, which is really interesting, that when our predecessors, you know, had some of these psilocybin, you know, mushrooms that potentially that created human cortex. I mean, there are theories around this, but effectively these medicines have been used in Indigenous cultures and ancient cultures since the beginning of human civilization. They're used in religious communities and the Aboriginals in Australia use acacia, uh, which is DMT-containing plant, um, you know, probably the song lines, many of those um, Aboriginal dot paintings, you know, look like this sort of psychedelic in nature. They have the sort of fractilian nature of many 
psychedelic sort of experiences. And um, so these medicines have been with us for a long, long time. Even MDMA has been around for quite a long time. When you and speak so of MDMA, yeah, sorry, mm-hmm. um, because a lot of people will be thinking about ecstasy and it's not the same mm. grade, is it? It's not, not the same, at all. No. no. It's really important to say that ecstasy in a recreational context is entirely different from MDMA mm-hmm. in a clinical context. So unfortunately, you know, a lot of young people who think they're getting ecstasy pure MDMA at a party or a rave often are not, so that the pills often contain speed and other adulterants Mm. and sometimes don't contain MDMA at all. And when combined with alcohol and dehydration can lead to some of the negative outcomes, which is why pill testing is so important. But um, pure pharmaceutical-grade MDMA used in combination with psychotherapy creates an incredible bond between a therapist and a patient in which the patient feels warm and safe and, you know, has a great sense of empathy with the therapist so that instead of being re-triggered or re-traumatised by being asked to speak about their trauma, they actually feel safe to revisit their trauma, to accept it and move forward with their lives. It doesn't mean they forget about it, but it just means that they can go forward in their life without continually being triggered and bringing the past into the present. So they're able this to view really it. really yeah. important. Yeah, they're able to view, view it without... Different perception. The fight yeah. and flight, you know, yeah. syndrome. Fantastic. Which is, yeah, it's incredible. Whereas psilocybin um, works in the brain, as you mentioned before, by quietening down the default mode network of our brain, which keeps us stuck and defaulting, often in very rigid and stuck thought loops, you know, I'm not good enough, things won't work out, no one loves yeah. me, etc., etc. Yeah. And... So we have very limited neural connectivity happening if we're in that sort of state, whereas with the ingestion of psilocybin, which is like a lock fitting into a key of the 5-TH2A receptor of our Mm. brains, the serotonin receptor in our brains, we get this massive neurogenesis, this increased neuroplasticity of the brain, which leads to this sense of connectivity and oneness. And it's in that window where the brain becomes more flexible that wonderfully trained therapists and we're training you know hundreds of psychologists psychiatrists gps physicians mental health nurses um addiction specialists social workers occupational therapists and others in these modalities and it's in that window of opportunity following these incredible experiences that skilled therapists can work with a patient to really fast track the healing process which is why there's these incredible outcomes from these not only safe treatments because there's been no death or adverse events of any serious nature throughout thousands of people trialled in over 160 current and recent trials. But, you know, after two to three treatments, what we're seeing is these remission rates of 60 to 80%. That's amazing. When the medicines are combined with a short course of psychotherapy. And it's very important to say to any of your listeners out there This is psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy. That is the combination of psychedelic medicines, in this case we're talking Mm. about psilocybin Mm -hmm. or MDMA, but psilocybin in particular I'm talking about at the moment, in combination with, say, a 16-week course of psychotherapy. And it's really important that patients do have the psychotherapy. Therefore, after each of these incredible medicine experiences, there's usually 
multiple what are called integration sessions where the insights and learnings that the patient gets through their experience are integrated into their lives, their work, their relationships so they can start to become empowered to make the behavioural and changes and other actions needed to start to become an agent for their own healing. So instead of it being a daily dose of a capsule that reminds you every day that you've got a mental illness potentially for the rest of your life or and, and or having therapy for the rest of your life, you're in fact getting well and out of the system. And many patients and also many of the researchers in the space liken it to resetting or rebooting your yes, brain. Yes, yes. Defragging the doji hard drive. So when your computer plays up and... Nothing will fix it except for turning it off. Can we just then circle back? All of a back. sudden, Sorry. <laughs> miraculously, it's fixed. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. So, can we just circle back a little bit? You talked about um, remission of like 60 to 80%. Yeah. Now, look, I did a mental health first aid course, I think, last year, and like they say, four out of five Australians will, will suffer mental illness at or some stage. at the moment, yeah. Now, we're not talking about the same recovery rates. Like, you're talking about people having it, like being on medication, taking a pill every day for the rest of their lives. Mm. Or, or even therapy. So what are, what's the percentage of recovery rate from the, the standard treatment? So with existing treatments, yeah, the 35% of depression of pa- patients yeah. remain treated, 30 to 35%. So we've Only got a broken system. Five, yeah. yeah, so 30 to 35% of patients with depression go into remission from either a combination of you know pharmacotherapy that's mainly antidepressants and mm. um, or psychotherapy. And in the case of post-traumatic stress, disorder only as few as five percent of patients go into remission yeah so we're not getting the majority of patients well whereas if you compare that against the 60 to 80 percent going into remission yeah, after, wanted, two, yeah. after three only doses. two to three doses that's i know we have two courses psychotherapy yeah. though that's amazing that's sharing yeah so with those doses two to three yeah. doses um how are well, they spaced out i'm just interested um like medicinally well under- it, it varies depending on different protocols but for example um in the case of MDMA therapy, that usually takes place over a 16-week okay. treatment program. Yeah. So, you know, to begin with, you'd have a few sessions where firstly you'll be screened for suitability and then you'll get to know and build rapport with your therapist um, and the therapist will start to, you know, explain to you what will happen in the medicine sessions and so on. So it's all done in a, such a, you know, warm and comforting and, you know, supportive way. Yeah. And then the medicine sessions, as I say, are each followed by integration sessions. So that is critical. As that I said is before. critical, yes. Yeah. In the case of psilocybin, though, um, really interesting recent study where Imperial College basically directly compared psilocybin, two doses of psilocybin with a short course of psychotherapy against um, a daily dose of escitalopram, a leading um, antidepressant, SSRI, for six weeks with a short course of psychotherapy for that group as well. So this was the first ever head-to-head comparison between the two. And at the end of the six weeks, so both groups had psychotherapy, important to say, the end of the six weeks, twice as many people in the psilocybin group had gone into remission as the antidepressant group. Yeah, and (laughs) way less side effects than less suicidal ideation. So So the capacity that you you have or my medicine has or or this program has to navigate or getting to a patient's root cause rather than just, you know, like a Band-Aid approach, it's just imperative for the individual and really the community at large. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. I mean... 
This is offering solutions <laughs> yeah. to a broken system. We've got a backlog of, you know, and particularly at the moment with the COVID um, reaction after two years, we're going to see lifelong oh. issues, you know. Uh, no, well, that's of... what we are seeing. I mean, Professor Patrick McGorry, you know, and many other psychiatrists um, are saying that, you know, there's a shadow pandemic. So mm. <laughs> effectively, you know, what we're seeing is this terrible mental health emergency, which is getting mm. worse and worse. And unfortunately, not only don't we have the treatments, but, you know, the government keeps sort of trying to provide more access or subsidies for mental health programs or try to even train more therapists and so on. But the fact of the matter is, if you want to get into a psychiatrist or psychologist at the moment, the general wait list, if their books are not closed, is about a year. Wow. You know, and this is is terrible. Like if someone's suicidal... That's right. um, That's too late. You know, and, and, you know, telehealth doesn't work for everyone either. Um, You know, we're we're sort of... um, Hitting our heads against a brick wall, you know, the saying, you know, what is the definition of insanity is doing the yeah. same thing over and yeah, over again, again and expecting a different result. That's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. And, and these are the oh, yeah. the immediate issues that we have, like, you know, from the mandates, the employment loss, the lack of cohesion mm-hmm. socially, you know, that um, mm-hmm. the lack of oxytocin that people have, you know, that they've not bonded anymore. Uh, no, absolutely. And the lockdowns, absolutely. you know, so there's so many issues yeah. that especially we're going to see. especially young people. Yeah, within the young I mean, as well. Well, and older people. But, I mean, you know, isn't it tragic to, to look at those figures of all the self-harm and the suicides? You know, kids have suicidal ideation as, as young as nine years old at the moment. I mean, you know, what sort of world are we creating <laughs> for our children and grandchildren? Um, and we really need to ask these sorts of questions because... It's just not reasonable to withhold treatments like these from people um, who desperately need them and who are suffering. And, of course, you know, we've been applying for rescheduling um, of these substances through the TGA for the past couple of years. And, again, yesterday they knocked back our rescheduling applications, Mm. which was devastating. So why are they... And for for no good reason. Why is there such resistance, though? Is that because... um... political. Politically, predominantly political, and that goes Absolutely. as far back, like you said, as Nixon's war on drugs. You know, yeah, that far back. That's right. Um, it's just a lack of political will, and you know, psychedelics have had this stigma and prejudice attached to them since Nixon's war on drugs. But even President Nixon and his advisors back then acknowledged that they were that it was an entirely political decision, and his advisors acknowledged that they were lying about the drugs. You know, they were just trying to conscript people into the Vietnam War movement. So they banned these medicines and that pretty much stopped all research for the best part of nearly 50 years. I mean, for the past decade or so, there's been this renaissance. But just think about what the world could be like now. You know, it would be far less disconnected and, you know, there would be less depression and less mental illness because people would actually realise that they're part of one, you know, one beautiful universe that... We all are a part of. It's just that sometimes we lose sight of that. And, and psychology as a science has only really been around not much longer than that too. So, mm. you know, you, you think about the, the research that's been lost as psychology has grown over the last, what, like you said, 70 years. Mm. Um, and that research hasn't been done as psychology has grown. Like that's such a waste and such and a And they shame, rely on it? their DSMV, so that's not very reliable for most of them. As well, but um, what's the mm-hmm. evidence that we have at the moment for their effectiveness? Um, you know, to take away that stigma 
obviously there's been a lot of research. There's a lot of universities such as Harvard, John Hopkins, New York University mm. and Stanford that are all doing um, big research, aren't they? They're, they're mm-hmm. utilising a lot of people now for their data. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. showing that medicine-assisted uh, psychotherapies um, lead to remission of from certain mental illnesses. So we've got to mm-hmm. be the support. What is going on? No, there's enormous support. There's enormous support. I mean, like every doctor and therapist and psychiatrist we speak to, within 15 to 20 minutes of understanding the data and science, they're like, how do I get this to my patients? We have MPs texting us and saying, my constituents really suffering, they've tried every other kind of treatment, we really need access. And it's like, well, then pull your fingers out (laughs) and start telling, you know, all the regulators and everyone else and the other politicians who are not stepping up that these medicines need to be available. The question for any of us here on this call and generally is to say, you know, do we want to live in a society that continues to withhold medicines that are safe and effective from people who need them? Yeah, yeah. And, and because look, it's everyone's birthright to have access to medicines right. that could heal them. And looking at these stats, like you said, we've got a comparison of sixty to eighty percent um, of two to three medicinal doses versus mm-hmm. thirty to thirty-five percent of um, you know with the existing treatments of, de- of depression with patients mm. um, patients treated. I mean, that's a huge mm. discrepancy there. A huge yeah. discrepancy that uh, um, they're resisting. Yeah, I know. Just ridiculous. And the, the bizarre thing is, like, like, I'm a veteran. I've got mates who have lost mates to suicide. And, you know, we have a Royal Commission at the moment. And uh, hearing this about hearing what you're saying about the M- MDMA uh, helping, especially in PTSD, like, it's such a huge problem. Um, and, you know, to get the, those sort of results would just have such a big impact on the community. Pardon? Like, ha- have, have hearing about the results that you're getting from the M- MDMA. Um, oh. in, in, for the PTSD no, I mean, in the veteran well, community, it'd just be huge. Oh, it's huge. Like with the amount of suicide, you know, more people die from suicide veterans than yeah. dying on the battlefield. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the MDMA trials, which are uh, in their final phase three trials now in the US, supervised by the Food and Drug Administration in the US, the latest trial um, in the phase three showed 67% remission rates after wow. three medicinal doses. So that means they no longer qualify for PTSD and 88% of them experienced statistically significant results. And they expect the remission rates to get up to 80% with further integration. So, I mean, the fact that we could even contemplate withholding these treatments from veterans who've served us and others who are suffering terribly and who potentially will commit suicide is yep. really beyond belief. And the practitioners... Like what sort yeah, of country yeah. are we? And the practitioners <laughs> that you talk yeah. about, you know, they, they have limited um, toolkits, don't they? Um, limited tools mm-hmm. in their toolkit. Like yeah, they've only got I mean, talk have... therapy and, you know, it becomes a financial commitment mm-hmm. for, for the patient um, for ongoing treatment. And that can yeah. present as a barrier as well, or that connection, well, that lack of connection to the practitioner can be a, a barrier also. Yeah. Absolutely. But, I mean, you know, we have probably have more than 15,000 practitioners, um, you know, on our update list. Fantastic. And Great. all of them tell us they don't have the tools in their tool yeah. toolbox yeah. to get yeah. their patients well and out of the system. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not okay. You know, we should all speaking out about this because it's just personal for every single one of us. If it's not us, somebody close to us in our yeah. families and our workplaces will be suffering terribly. So like Probably you, multiple people. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Like you said, a striking difference from traditional pharma, 
um, therapy, such as, you know, our traditional toolkits like um, antidepressants where patients take medication right. daily for months or years. Mm-hmm. I know them. And they have side but, effects too. Yeah, and definitely and typically experience oh, those unpleasant effects. and problematic side effects, including suicide, mm-hmm. being suicidal, compared yeah, to what you said. Yeah, they also have like, withdrawal symptoms. So yeah. by the way, every mm. woman out there, please don't just drop no, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. please don't do that because, yeah, very slowly please. too, yeah. very slowly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, certainly if people want to undergo these treatments, they do need to taper off in a guided way and they do need to taper off the medicines altogether because actually the neurotransmitters um, are numbed out by the antidepressants so they block the actual action of the psychedelics so you do yeah. actually have to have a, a, a little break. Yeah at least a couple of yeah. weeks between, well, you know. Well, like you say, medicine. assisted. It's got to be medicine-assisted psychotherapies, you know. So, uh, and, and it's not just the um, psychosyllabum or the MDA that works. It's actually assistant with the therapist, the, the actual program that becomes successful. You say that again, you just dropped out there. Oh, sorry. So it's, it's not yes. just the um, medicine or the, or the plant that actually works. It's the medicine-assisted psychotherapy, you know, with the practitioner, the, no, the whole correct. program that works together. So it's not just, yeah. the, um, you know, you go no, to the Amazon jungle and you take a, that. you know, just a, a well, plant medicine. You know, actually in the, well, no, in the Amazon, in some, certainly in many of the retreats there and many of the retreats in the Netherlands that are perfectly legal and other places yeah. where these medicines are perfectly legal, there are actually integration therapists and others who actually do nice. work with yeah. um, people who, you know, had these medicine experiences and they do help them integrate. But, yeah, I do encourage people, um, if you're going to try this, when we're not, we don't, we're focused on clinical use, um, but, you know, if people are, are desperate and they're going to go and find these medicines in any case, so, but if you do it, then please try and do it you know, responsibly and with guidance. That's right. And we have a yeah. psychological support service, a harm reduction service. That's right, yeah. Where people can reach out to us and we have psychologists and psychotherapists who can help you pre-medicine and post-medicine with integration, but we just can't help you during this session. Yeah. But yeah. that is legal. So we can have our harm reduction service and we can provide legal support to people pre and post using the medicine. So that's probably a nice segue because I know... You are actually on limited time with us tonight. Um, oh, yeah, the time has flown by, hasn't it? Um, <laughs> so, so you talk about the services that My Medicine Australia do provide, and that you are actually working with a lot of uh, medical practitioners and psychologists and psychiatrists, uh, and, and providing training. Can you talk a little bit about that and how, if practitioners are listening in tonight, they can yeah. get in touch with you and get part of that program? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we've launched the first ever certificate in psychedelic assisted therapies in the Southern Hemisphere with a world-class faculty of some of the leading therapists and therapist trainers in the world, people like um, Dr. Gabor Maché and yeah, Dr. Bill Richards and yeah. Professor David Nunn and many others. Um, and we have a wonderful, wonderful faculty and a wonderful course that brings together Therapists of all different back- backgrounds, so as I mentioned before, psychiatrists, psychologists, uh, GPs, physicians, palliative, addiction physicians, right. emergency physicians, mental health nurses, paramedics, social workers, occupational therapists, psychotherapists, <laughs> art therapists, you know, a, a whole range of different people um, apply for the course. There's huge demand. I mean, I think becoming a psychedelic-assisted therapist is one of the most sexy careers around at the moment. Yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? <laughs> so, demand is through the roof. Um, and people go through. So 
they, they submit a an online application and then if they're if they meet the criteria then they're they're interviewed and then if they pass through the interview then they get into the program. And next year we're gonna have four intakes of that program. Fantastic. And it really is wonderful because you have all these practitioners from different disciplines coming together and putting the patient at the centre and that's also wonderful for the practitioners because they usually are working in a very siloed way just with you know other psychiatrists yeah. rather you know yeah. and so to come together and actually do this course many of the people who've graduated from the course so far it's four months part-time it's the best professional development training that they've done we also have um, some amazing other training and workshops we have an online fundamentals of psychedelics course four-part online course and We'll be launching quite a few other training courses and workshops um, in 2022. So people should have a look at mindmedicineaustralia.org. And we are a charity. And I just want to say to everyone out there, um, we need your help. <laughs> um, you know, even if it's just two coffees a week and you can donate. Um, we, there's many, many ways you can donate, both big and small. And I promise you, well, my husband and I donate all of our time and as much money as as we can ourselves and we rely on support of many others as well and each of us can make a difference in reducing the suffering that there is in this country in our families and our communities and really change the paradigm and you know it's such an exciting new frontier for the treatment of mental illness and I hope that everyone feels really inspired to support us we also have chapters all over Australia so that people can join our chapters and get involved with their communities on a grassroots basis, run events in their local communities, um, help raise funds. There's all sorts of ways to, to get involved with us and support what we're doing. And you talked a little bit earlier there about the pre and post care as well. So mm -hmm. is that do people mm -hmm. access that the same way, like through your website? Yeah, so that's on our website, mindmedicineaustralia.org. Lovely. Now, do you have a Facebook mm -hmm. page, um, yeah, we've Twitter, got all Instagram, that all that sort of stuff? Insta, Twitter, everything, LinkedIn. Yeah, we've got the whole gamut. And, <laughs> and so that, are they all My Medicine Australia or, yep, or yep. at My Medicine Australia, whichever it is for uh, all those yeah, other different things? Yeah, at Medicine AU, I think some of the handles yes, are. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. But, I mean, I if you do send out, because I can send you some links that you Fantastic. can just use the, and yeah, sure. send out. Yeah, that'd be lovely. Yeah, I'll send you a whole lot of links that you can use. Actually, I think I've got um, those from your PA. Fantastic, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I think I'll I might have some out. more recent okay, ones, great. actually. Yeah. That'd be great. Now, it's fantastic um, that you use your celebrity status to do this. It, um, absolutely amazing. I just want to go through just a few of your awards. A celebrity, yeah. but... <laughs> but your, it, well, your awards are doing... Just, just wait for a moment. Going through your resume is absolutely amazing. Doing this at the and end. And I'm going to lose my breath over this. <laughs> but includes oh Ernst God. and Young Australian Social Entrepreneur of the Year... You're inducted into mm -hmm. the AGSE Interpreters Hall of Fame at Swinburne Uni, named BrainLink Woman of Achievement, and you're recently named in the 100 Women of Influence, the 100 Australian Most Influential Interpreter, and named as one of the 100 Most Influential People in Psychedelics Globally in 21. You've been honoured with the award of meritorious service to the community in the Victorian Multicultural Awards for Excellence. So your wall must be plastered. With, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And most of all, you're appointed the Member of Order of Australia in June 2008 for service to the arts as a performer and interpreter. And I heard your beautiful voice. It's so angelic. It just... For those in the audience that tuned in a little bit earlier, um, we were playing Tanya's music. Thank you so much for allowing us to play that music. 
this evening on the show too. So people oh, got no, to please, hear. Oh no! Please keep playing it. I'd, I'd rather you actually keep playing it. I mean, <laughs> you can share it however you'd like. I mean, I think we've sent five of my solo albums to you, and we'd love you to keep playing them on your shows. But there's some beautiful music there. There's, you know, classical and crossover, and there's um, folk music, and there's some of my original music and meditative music. There's poetry. It's a lot there. There was, yeah, it's starting to come in now. So mm. I know we do need to let you go. So thank you so much for coming on to the show and thank you for sharing no, your It's a pleasure and insights. I'll share the links with you all. Yeah, that would be, that would be amazing. Oh, what's the best email? Uh, Katarina? Probably, yeah. Katarina Morrison. Yeah, yeah probably, cat, yeah, probably send the cat's yes. email. What yeah. is it again? Katarina. I'll, I'll tag you. I'll tag you. Oh, again. you're tagging? Okay, yeah, well, I'll send it tag through. you. I'm about to send you these links, but I've mislaid them somehow. That's okay. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much, Tanya, mm-hmm. for coming on to the show. Just absolutely inspirational oh, um, for us all. Keep up the good work, both of you, and do send me breath info as well, because we'd love to keep you updated as well. That'd be fantastic. All right, yeah. thank you so much. That was thank Tanya you. AM. Thank you, Tanya. Much appreciated. Have a great night. Pleasure. Keep up the beautiful work. Thank you. And that's a wellness couch, 87.6 FM with Brett and Katerina Morrison. And we'll see you next year. This was our last show for the year. So have a happy and safe Christmas and holiday season and much abundance to you all and blessings to you all for the new year. We'll see you next year in February. Bye-bye.